Adventist is an Adventist in is anybody who looks forward for the soon return, the second advent of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the study of today. Yesterday we had made some strides and uh, I gave you a story. You know, I laid a basis for the sanctuary message and I, give you, uh, I gave you a story of one farmer known as Martin, uh, no, William Miller. Somebody, I want to continue his story today. Now, uh, let me give a recap shortly of what we, you know, we tackled yesterday. We were trying to understand the basis and the origin of the sanctuary message that we found in the book of Daniel chapter 8 verses 14. Because Daniel 8.14 was a statement, a paragraph, that the readers and seekers of truth found as they were reading the book of Daniel. The book had been sweet till Daniel 8.14. When they got something they could not understand and comprehend, they sought to understand better by comparing passages here a little there a little, so that they can understand what God wished them to understand from the book of Daniel 8.14, because ideally and honestly I tell you this, with, without a fear of contradiction, that every scripture, every inspired word is written for us, that's what the Bible says, for our inspiration, for correction, and there must be a reason as to why a, first, a word is written in the Bible. Now, I want you today to read your Bibles microscopically. You follow me keenly so that we go through the story again. We continue where we left yesterday. Now, for those who have good phones that can record, you can record me. I won't sue you over copyright. Copyright sue what rights? I won't. So if you if you can record, just record. It's technology. Now I allow you, in a special way, to open your phones and read your Bible because you are in darkness. You cannot read the physical Bibles. It's allowed for this situation and circumstance. William Miller. Now, we spoke about this man, and we got to a point whereby they had made some few strides towards understanding the prophecy of Daniel chapter 8, verses 14, which recorded, and to 2,300 days, the sanctuary shall be done what? Now, yesterday, the trouble this man had was trying to understand what is meant in the book of Daniel chapter 8, verses 14. We realized that prophetically, a day is equivalent to one year. That was the basis, uh, you know, was derived from the principle of Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 6, and uh, Numbers chapter 16, verses 34, whereby Christ is talking about a day principle when we talk about prophetic periods. 
Now, in Daniel chapter 8, verses 14, we are talking about a prophetic period of 2,300 days. Giving it the day year principle, we are talking about a prophetic period of 2,300 years. Now, the associates were and the seekers of truth were trying to understand Daniel 8, 14, and to 2,300 days, and to 2,300 years, the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Now, for them, a sanctuary was a big deal because Christ had some, you know, God had, uh, had at some point spoken of the speciality that a sanctuary contains. Remember when he spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter 25, verses 8, he told Moses, let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell with them. So a sanctuary was a big deal. When these people are being, uh, you know, they find a statement about a cleansing of a sanctuary, and in the, it is in the book of Daniel, and the book of Daniel measures on the events more so which will happen in the latter days, in the end times. And when they remember anything to do with the sanctuary which they have ever had was the sanctuary which was being moved by the Israelites as they were moving through the wilderness. And that sanctuary was no longer in existence. Now they are wondering, what is this other sanctuary that is being spoken of in the book of Daniel chapter 8? And it's being cleansed. That is their trouble. So they wanted to understand what Daniel failed to understand at first. A second attempt led to Daniel being told now still those who are still the end. And those who are reading, those who are seeking, those who are running, knowledge will increase and they will be able to understand. Not any other knowledge, but the knowledge regarding the book of Daniel. The seekers of truth believed that their understanding regarding the period Daniel failed to understand was at hand. They had to understand so that they can be able to know the sanctuary which was being spoken of to be being cleansed. Listen, they followed the Bible. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel was so stressed, and I spoke this yesterday, when he had the period of 2,300 years, the Jewish nation, Quisha, we have the period has been extended for our suffering in captivity because we have not repented of our sins. And the Lord is aggrieved of our doings. So Daniel thought that the period that Christ is talking about, the sanctuary being cleansed, is the period whereby, you know, the Israelites have been extended the period for 2,300 days, years in captivity, and therefore they will not have a chance of going back to cleanse Jerusalem. He thought the sanctuary is Jerusalem, but Daniel was wrong. That's why the beginning of Daniel chapter 9, Daniel sets himself down to fast and pray so that probably God can relent. 
on behalf of the Israelites. Look at how Daniel 9 uh, begins. He starts by praying. Confessing the sins of all the Israelites. Confessing his own sins so that probably God can understand. And the moment he began praying, the Bible says heaven was open. God listened and swiftly sent the man, Gabriel, to make Daniel understand. Gabriel comes and tells Daniel, listen. When we are talking about the 2,300 days, I'm in verse 24 now of Daniel chapter 7. When we are talking about the 2,300 days, it's a period which stretch, uh, stretches beyond the Israelite nation, beyond the Jewish nation. Now, your time and your period as the Jewish nation is averaged and is 70 weeks. Seventh weeks is equivalent to 490 days. And you know we are talking about uh, one day, one year principle, 490 years. Now, that period we saw this yesterday is cut from the larger period of the 2,300 days. And it begins at the command of going to build Jerusalem. I took you through a few, you know, points of history. Whereby we saw four decrees that had been ever given for the Israelites, for the Jews to go and rebuild Jerusalem. But we saw yesterday the one which was effective was the one given in 457 before Christ, BC, 457 BC by Ataxas, was given to Ezra. The decree is recorded in Ezra chapter 7. It is the only decree that restored the Jewish state. Ezra had the opportunity to appoint judges, to appoint magistrates, and to conduct all the affairs of the Jewish as a state. Not like the other decrees that had been given. Therefore, this was the one which empowered the Jews to go and rebuild Jerusalem. And by the way, we got some sweet harmony yesterday. Because as the Bible said, now let's go there. As the Bible said that at the beginning of the seven weeks, the 2,300 uh, days begin, and for, uh, you know, one week, two, uh, um, sorry, seven weeks, and uh, 60 and two weeks, that is three score and two weeks, the prince shall do what? Are we together? We saw some quite good harmony. The, 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 the Messiah shall be anointed. And we saw how the prophecies were fulfilled. So there was nothing wrong with the fulfillment of those prophecies, which read, by the way, uh, the period of the 2,300 days to be seen culminating in 1844, which was correct. And I told you that there was something which happened. The seekers of truth, Miller and associates, believed that a sanctuary could be the earth or some portion of it. Reason being, they believed that in the sanctuary, according to the first covenant sanctuary, sacrifices used to happen there. They believed that Christ, the Lamb of God, the last sacrifice, was offered on planet Earth to be specific Golgotha. 
So they believed that since Christ was crucified, was offered as the last sacrifice on earth, that could date the period, uh, you know, that could make the earth to be the sanctuary. And therefore, cleansing of the sanctuary will involve the cleansing of the heart by the last day fires. Therefore, they concluded that 1844, the cleansing of the sanctuary, meant the cleansing of the earth by fire, and thus meant the second coming of Christ. Now, that was their conclusion. That made them to, uh, to believe that Christ was to come the second time in 1844. 1844 came. Christ did not come. What happened? A great disappointment. A great disappointment. But let me tell you why this disappointment was great. I want to be in the shoes of these seekers of truth. Are you following me? Are we together? God is good. And all the time, don't lose me. Don't lose me. Now, I feel these seekers of truth. I told you yesterday, historically, these people started by studying the gospel books. They started the book of Matthew, the book of Luke, the book of Mark, the book of John. They had understood some of the signs Christ himself gave that were to portray that the second coming of Christ was near. I don't want to dwell on much of them, but I want to dwell on a few signs, a few which I call spectacular signs of the second coming of Christ, which were given by Christ himself. One recorded in Matthew chapter 24, verses 20, uh, 29. Who is, uh, who is having the Bible? I wish we could read. Matthew 24, 29. Are we there? Who is there? Praise God. God is good. I want you to follow. There's a point I want you to understand. 24, 29. Let's go there quickly. It says. Yes, go on. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Shall the sun be darkened? Sun will be darkened, one. And the moon shall not give her light. Moon shall not give light, and, two. And the stars shall fall from heaven. Stars shall fall from heaven, three. And the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Powers of heaven shall be shaken, four. Next. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Fantastic, fantabulous. Yani Christ sat down and almost gave these people the day of his return. Before the second coming, after the tribulation, that is the period of the dark ages, after the tribulation of those days, the tribulation which had been shortened, if you read the Bible microscopically, Matthew chapter 24, the tribulation period which had been shortened, which had been shortened by revival and reformation, the great reformation led by the chief reformer, Luther. After the tribulation of those days, Sun darkened, point number one. Moon shall not give light, point number two. Stars of heaven shall fall, point number three. The powers of heaven shall be shaken, point number four. And what next? The shaking of the powers of heaven shall usher in the second coming of Christ. Because the Bible says the powers of heaven shall be shaken and there shall appear the sign. Praise God. 
Now, I want to implant that into you so that you can understand how serious God was with those signs I'm talking about. By the way, something which is repeated in the Bible more than five times in the same, same order must be a serious thing which you need to take interest and understand. Are you in the book of Mark chapter 13 verses 25? Are you there? Mark 13, 25. Let's go quickly. It's it records, go. 13.25 says, Good. And the stars of he heaven shall no, fall. No, start 24. But in those days. But in those days. After that tribulation. After that tribulation. The sun shall be darkened. Point one. And the sun shall not give her light. Where, where? The sun shall be darkened. Point one. The sun shall be darkened. Where, where? Read again. It says, yes. but in those days, uh -huh. after that tribulation, Teremuka. then the sun shall be darkened, One. and the, sun, uh, the moon shall not give yes. light. The moon shall not give light, correct. Uh -huh. And the stars of heaven shall fall, correct. And the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Correct, go on. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the crowds Ooh, with the great good, power good, and good. glory. Is it the same, same order that Matthew gave? Now, I want to show you something. Are you ready to be shown? Uh, no, before I show you. Look, let's go to Dr. Dr. Luke, chapter 21. Record for me from verse 25. 21, 25. I want to show you something. Picking, picking, picking. 21, 25 says, 20. And there shall be the signs in the sun. There shall be signs in the sun. And in the moon. In the moon. And in the stars. And in the stars. And upon the earth, distress of nature. So, Alienda Raka. He wanted to measure on what the two did not speak about. So he said, Matthew, there shall be sign in the stars, in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. But he added something critical I want you to understand. Go on. It says, and upon the earth, distress and of nations. upon the earth, distress of nations. With perplexity. Go on. The sea and the waves roaring. Teremka. Men's hearts falling them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the after the falling of stars, there was, be, there was to be a period, a period whereby the nations will be in distress. The nations will be in anger. People's hearts will be full of fear when they look at the things ambassadors in our Kodolea Macho. People's hearts were to fail them because of fear of the things to come. It was to be a period now, not something for the students who read the Bible microscopically. They could have seen this even before I speak. Matthew, Mark, they were talking about one-time events. The sun being darkened, Nikitu Yaskumoja in Aisha. Moon not giving light, Kitu Yaskumoja in Afanya Nini. But Luke did not measure on events. 
on one time events yeye akameja ku describe an event which was in between the stars falling from heaven and the powers of heaven being shaken yani the powers of heaven being shaken to usher in the second coming of Christ in between the stars falling and the powers of heaven being shaken there was to be a period of distress of nations people's hearts during this period will be failing them when they look at the world they look at the happenings it's only fear when they look at their future and a graduate and realize 10000 people graduate from Ikaton alone and jobs which can be found is only 1000 fear 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 period of fear distress upon nations Now no before I conclude let's go to revelation John 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 the revelator a disciple most loved of Christ chapter 6 verses 12 20 revelation 6 12 go it says 20. and i beheld when he had opened open the sixth seal when he had opened the sixth seal now revelation puts it in its chronology the way it should be from one to last go on and lo lo there was a great earthquake oh john anasema before even all these things there was to be a great earthquake go on and the sun and the sun became black as sackcloth so of john hair. gives a detail is giving a detailed information of how the events could go after the great earthquake the sun will be a sackcloth go on and the moon became as blood moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth is it the same same order brothers and sisters same same order go on and the stars of heaven, heaven fell unto the earth yes even as a fig tree casted her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind yes and the heaven departed as a scroll when Now, it is for john the powers of heaven being shaken and asema what is so in the revelation was that the, the heaven departed as a scroll go on when it is rolled together yes and every mountain and island were moved out of their places go on and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains verse 16 and said to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb what has happened simply after heaven departing as a scroll what has happened christ is seen and that's why the great men the captains and everybody is running saying to the mountains and rocks fall on us to hide us from that who is seated on the throne because when he is coming he is on the throne he is coming as king of kings and lord of lords first of the signs fulfilled 1755 it's known as the great earthquake of lisbon 
Now, no earthquake has ever happened since the world was created having the same magnitude as the earthquake of Lisbon. If you want to have more information regarding what happened in this day, find your time and go through one historical book known as The Great Controversy. The topic is Heralds of the Morning. Heralds of the Morning. You will understand how people were terrified. Many people died during this great day. A great earthquake happened. And by the way, it was on a holiday. Many people were full, you know, in convents. People were full. Others were full in, you know, where they go and enjoy. They swim, where eh? it was on a holiday, no work. But it got many people by sacrifice. The earthquake touched five continents, including Africa. Many people died. Second of the signs, the moon being dark as sacred. 19th May, 1780. We eyewitnesses say that that day, the sun came as normal in the morning. Going, going to the wee hours of midday, some few, you know, clouds were started being seen, and, you know, the things started changing. And within a short period of time, the whole world was in darkness. Deep darkness as the one witnessed in winter during the rains. Dark. And the people thought that the world was coming to an end. Not the death. 17th May, you know, 19th May, 1780. Now, realize something. Realize something. The Bible started by saying, after the tribulation of those days. But remember, the tribulation had been shortened, the dark ages. And what shortened the dark ages period is reformation. Now, people could not be persecuted anymore because reformation had arose. Many people had known Christ. They could read the Bible and understand on their own. Martin Luther was on the forefront translating the Bibles. People could no longer be intact regarding the word of God because they could read it. And now persecution ceased in the early 1700s. And after the tribulation, 1755, one of the signs. 25 years later, 1780, the second of the signs. The same, same night, the moon was as blood, as, you know, as red as blood. The same, same night, 19th of May, 1780. How many signs are we done with? Earthquake one, sun two, moon three. Sign number four was about, now I want to tell you something regarding this day. Uh, May 19, 1780. One of the people who witnessed that period had this to say. Now, about midnight, the unusual darkness lifted. And the, that is after the darkness of the day due to the sun being darkened. But it was as red as blood. This represented the closing of an era when a true knowledge of Jesus, the son of righteousness, had been obscured during the Dark Ages. And the blood of millions of true Bible-believing Christians was spilled after the Dark Ages. 17th, you know, 19th May, 1780. Moon. 13th November, 1833, it rained stars from heaven. 
not, not, not that one. That is the point I want to shift to another story so that you can follow. Now, get me clear, get me clear. Saints, 18th, no, 13th November, 1833, the last of the one-time event signs happened. 1833, the stars rained from heaven as it could rain on a rainy day. Now, many people witnessed it and they felt that the end was nigh. The seekers of truth, the Adventists, those who are looking for the second advent of Christ, those who had read the book of Daniel and they had understood a sanctuary to be earth and they had believed that Christ was to come on earth in 1844, read and understood the prophecies of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Revelation, they understood that this was the last time event, the one time event of the three mentioned. After this event, Matthew, Mark, and uh, you know Matthew, Mark, and John say that the powers of heaven were shaken. And John, to John, the heaven departed as a scroll after this sign. So they believed if it has happened in 1833, surely the Lord is coming in 1844. That's why I feel the disappointment they had in 1844 when Christ did not appear. Because they were almost sure. But they forgot that, Matthew, you know, Dr. Luke had given a stretch of something that was to happen between 1833, 13th November, when the stars rained to, from heaven until the sky is parting as a scroll. And that was distress upon nations. Now, from 1833 to the end of the world, when the powers of heaven will be shaken, there will be distress upon nations. Now, when you read still the Bible microscopically, you get some more details about this sign. I, don't, I didn't want to dwell on it so much, but let me tell you this. It starts as a woman who is expectant. Now, did you know that? Now, if you have never been expectant, try to imagine. But if you have been you can understand what I'm talking about. And please, share with your colleagues. Now, me, myself, have not been expectant. But my mother shared with me a story. And through that story, I believe that it is true. Now, there is something I want to tell uh, you about a woman who is expecting. Now, ladies, get me clear so that that day cannot get you by surprise. When the days are almost near, there's what we call leper pains. Now, when they begin, they don't begin, you know, vinanzanga pole pole, inakucha, inaenda, kapsa, nadhani inaenda. As the days near, sinanza kukucha, inakucha after one hour, tena inarudia. Wacha ikaribia ira siku, ni kama kira second. Yani, the lepers started slowly, but as they move, you move closer to the day, they increase in intensity, in magnitude, and in frequency. Ay, mutu wakusoma physics, amelala inja. 
the frequency and intensity and magnitude increase. In other words, they become more frequent and more painful as you approach the day. Now, there is no mistake as to why that period was likened to a woman in labor. That means from 1833, the distress upon nations and the fear was not to be that intense, was not to be that frequent. But as we near the closer of the sign, there is increase in intensity, in magnitude, and in frequency. Distress upon nations. After Walimu wame strike, madaktari, after madaktari, nurses, Nurses wakitulia kidogo, COVID. COVID ikitulia kidogo, lecturers. Lecturers wakitulia kidogo, wanafunzi wanaenda strike. No! Distress! After wanafunzi wanaenda strike, fueli natoka 90 to 134. No! It's not by mistake. It's not by mistake. It's by prophecy. People's hearts failing them because of fear of the things to come. Brothers, listen to me. Right now, we are living in a period where we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what to do. I don't want to, to, to dwell on that. As Makumba and, uh, you know, Pastor Wamalika say, that's a, a sermon for a whole week. <laughs> a whole week. That was the last of the signs. That's why they believed that 1844 was the day. But there was a disappointment. The group, the thousands and thousands of people who had believed that Christ was to come in 1844, were disappointed. People, others followed, not because they had believed, but because they wanted to be counted among those who were waiting for Jesus in 1844. But they were not genuine in their following, and that's why after the, dis the disappointment, many of them went back to their usual things. Oh, mlitu danganya. Wengine unachua walikuwa wanafuatiria tu kama ni chachu wanakuja. But after that period, oh, hata mi nilikuwa, nao na, nilikuwa naonanga hikitu wa hita waka. Aso. Nifenye singe wambia, lakini mimi niliona hikitu. They went back. They went back. Brothers and sisters, now listen. I'm shifting, I'm shifting the story. Now, don't be left when I'm shifting the story. Don't be left behind when I'm shifting the story. After the disappointment, a few group of people remained asking themselves, when we read the Bible, we were told about the 2,300 days, you know, seventh weeks being part of the 2,300 days. The Bible said, seventh weeks are determined upon thy people. So it's part and parcel of it. Now, looking at the fulfillment of the seventh weeks, they realized this. Look at uh, 925 now. Not therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. That is 69. Seven weeks, ni seven weeks. Uh, three score. A score is 20. So, ni three score, three times 20. At the Bible fashion, simplify that. So, ni three, seven weeks plus three score, three score is 60 plus two. That is 69 weeks. After 69 weeks, the streets shall be built again and wall, even in troublous times. And E, after that period, it will be a period of re reformation, rebuilding. And at the end of that period, the reformation and rebuilding could be 
signified by the anointing of the Messiah, as chapter, you know, as far as 24 places it. They realized that at the end of the 69 weeks, look at that map, at the end of the 69 weeks, it brings you to 27 AD, and where Christ was anointed. He was baptized in River Jordan by John. A dove came from heaven. The Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit was done. The Bible goes on to say, I want you to understand this. And he will confirm the covenant with men for one week, the 70th week. Nakumbuka irikuwa 69. The one week was to confirm the covenant. What else? And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. In other words, in the midst of the week, the sacrifices which were being offered of goods, you know, of sheep and goats was to cease. He could cause a cease to the sacrifices which was being offered. In other words, he was to be offered as the last sacrifice. Oh, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the, the sin of the world. He was to be offered as the last sacrifice so that he can cause a cease to the sacrifices of sheep and goats that were being offered in the sanctuary as directed by Moses. And indeed, it happened as it was placed in the Bible. After the anointing in 27 AD, one week is seven days. The midst of the week is three and a half days, equivalent to three and a half years. You had it to 27 AD, it will bring you to mid 31 AD. Christ was crucified in 31 AD. He ascended to heaven in 31 AD. Very accurate. You could not question the Bible. You could not question the timing of the prophetic period. It was in harmony with history and the Bible. And at the end of the 70th week, the period of the Jewish people as a nation was to end. That's why Daniel was told, seven weeks are determined for your people, are cut for your people. What happened in the end of the 70th week to signify the end of the Jewish nation as that chosen nation so that now the message of salvation was extended to the Gentiles, no longer to the Jewish people only. Look, in 34 AD, they stoned Stephen. When you read the book of Acts, now follow me. This is sweet. This is sweet. When you read the book of Acts microscopically, I want to introduce something here. Stephen, while he was being stoned, the Bible says he lifted his eyes into heaven. What did he saw? The Son of Man doing what? Standing. I want you to underline the word standing. In the Bible, it's only in two instances when Christ is seen standing in heaven. Two instances. One is recorded in the book of Acts when Stephen lifted his eyes and saw Christ standing. The second one is recorded in the book of Revelation when Christ will stand in heaven and say, it's enough. Let him that is filthy be filled. Let him that is holy remain holy still. In other words, when you see the Bible talking about 
Christ standing, appropriation has closed. So Christ standing in 34 AD when Stephen is being stoned signified the close of probation for the Jewish people as the chosen nation. And therefore, all people by faith were invited to be Jews, not by blood, but by faith. And that's why the Bible says that all those by faith who believe are called the seed of Abraham. Now, don't miss that one. From 34 AD, we no longer concentrate to the Jewish nation as the chosen nation, but now to the entire believers, even Gentiles, even Nani, all those who believe in Christ are counted as Jews. They are a seed of Abraham. Very harmonious. Prophecy sweet. Prophecy sweet. Very harmonious. So the group, the small group that remained could not question the date of 1844, which signified the end of the 2,300 days. But they wondered if the Bible and the prophecy was such harmonious, why did Christ not come to earth in 1844? They were read. They went back to the book of Daniel. Sorry, it's chapter 8, not 9. Chapter 8, verses 14. And he says, And he said unto me, Unto 2,300 days, Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. They could not find an error regarding the timings. Regarding the prophetic period timings, they were led to inspect more the aspect of the sanctuary. Could they be wrong by concluding that the earth was the sanctuary? Probably the sanctuary was something else which was cleansed in, which was to be cleansed in 1844, and they could not understand. So they were read to read the Bible wider and inspect more the sanctuary thing. They went back to the New Testament. And they, find, they found in the book of Daniel, you know, Hebrews chapter 9, about a clue of existence of a sanctuary. Now, when they read chapter 9, verse 1 to 5, microscopically, they found the following. The Bible records. Then verily, the first covenant, now underline that one, you know, it's becoming sweet and sweeter. You see this. You see how these things are sweet. The first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Oh, Kumbe, we have a first covenant which had worldly sanctuary. Ooh, okay. For there was a tabernacle made, uh -huh, there fasting, a lot of stories, and Aaron's uh, rod that parted. Now read that. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 1, they found a clue of existence of a sanctuary, where a sanctuary is mentioned. And it's called a sanctuary, a worldly sanctuary of the first covenant. Now, this is the sanctuary which was being built by Moses. I know we have read so much about the sanctuary which was built by Moses. And by the way, this time round, 
a story for another day. I will not concentrate on the parts, you know, what was in the sanctuary, the colors. No, I will not. I told you this time round, I'm relating the sanctuary with the commandments of God, the faith of Jesus, and the 2,300 days. Now, the sanctuary which was built by Moses, but let me tell you this for free, you know, it doesn't cost me anything. When Moses was told to build a sanctuary, he was given the specifics of how he was to build the sanctuary. It had two major parts, the outer court and the tapanako, and then the tapanako was divided into two. I'll brush through it quickly, uh, the holy place and the most holy place. In the outer court, it was made of bronze and it had two things, the altar of burnt offering. I'll tell you more about this probably when I come back again to Hitchaton. When God allows, if the second coming of God could not have come. So the outer court had the altar of burnt offering and the lava. The first apartment of the tapanako, which is called the holy place, had three things. The golden altar of instance, now it was made of gold. Altan, uh, you know, the altar of uh, incense, and then we had the golden lampstand and the tape of shoe bread. That is the tape of shoe bread, the lampstand, and the altar of incense. And then we move to the most holy place, which was separated. The holy place and the most holy uh, place were separated by a veil. In the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was a golden, you know, for them they made a golden, but it was covered by gold. But in nature it was golden. It was a golden thing, the Ark of the Covenant, and inside the Ark of the Covenant were the commandments of God. And note this, it was the Ten Commandments of God, not another commandments. The Ten Commandments of God, by the way. Uh, when you read the Bible, <laughs> this is a, by the way, don't quote me anywhere. Don't quote me anywhere. Moses was told to build the sanctuary according to the patterns he saw. It was a shadow. So he built the, in the Ark of the Covenant, he placed the Ten Commandments. There was a reason behind that. I'll talk about it, I think, tomorrow. I'll give you a reason, and I'll challenge you. But let me brush so quickly. So uh, that was it. The Shekinah glory represented the presence of God himself, and then the law of God was inside the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there is something funny, and uh, you know, not funny, of course, but there is something mysterious about the most holy place and the Ark of the Covenant, because inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, but on top was the mercy seat. On top. That thing which covers was the mass seat and the two cherubims which were seen to be covering the mass seat. Now, this is a mystery. How the law and mercy combine together. According to the description we know about the law of God, it required that sinners must die. But God in his mercy covered the ark meaning that mercy is available at the throne of God. The sinners who had broken the law can run to God and find mercy. That's a mystery. By the way, do you know how David calls it? <laughs> David In Psalms, chapter 85, verses 10, he says, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. It was a mystery. 
out the two could be combined. And by the a statement is given that God. Now, think about this. How can God be just while justifying a repentant sinner? Did you get that? God is good. And all the time. How can God be just while justifying a repentant sinner? That is the mystery which is found in the most holy place. That's the story for another day. Now, elders of Richardson, don't forget to call me again. I tell you that mystery. Uh, okay, I will do that mystery. Brothers and sisters, that is the first sanctuary that the seekers of truth found to have existed. Later on, after the Israelites moved through the wilderness, uh, ideally, in the beginning, the sanctuary which they saw was uh, temporary. It was a tent which they could move with it as they were going to the promised land. But when they settled in the promised land, they built a more permanent structure known as the Solomon's, uh, Solomon's Temple. It was a sanctuary according to the specifications given by God, but now a more permanent structure. And later alone, it was replaced by the Jerusalem Temple. So, until when the Bible says that this Solomon's temple was lying, you know, in ruins during Daniel's time, and then the Jerusalem uh, the temple, which was later, you know, des uh, you know, destroyed by the Romans and all that. But after all that, the seekers of truth, this is the sanctuary, a clue of only sanctuary that they found to have existed on earth. After all this study, this is the only sanctuary that the seekers of truth found to have ever existed on earth. You know, they are trying to understand the, the sanctuary aspect. What is this sanctuary that is being cleansed? Probably that's where we are wrong, and therefore we can't understand the mystery of 1844. Now, of which the Bible gives any information, <coughs> According to Paul, this was declared to be the sanctuary of the first covenant. Do you remember? Hebrews 9, verses 1. Verily, I say unto you, and the first covenant had also ordinances and a world sacrifice and a world sanctuary. So, according to Paul, this was a sanctuary of the first covenant. But I ask myself. Don't we have the new covenant? You know, does the new covenant have no sanctuary? If this is <coughs> the sanctuary of the first covenant, what about the new covenant? The era that we are in, you know, they are thinking. The first covenant sanctuary, that's it, the world sanctuary. What about the new covenant? Now, they found a glimpse. And by the way, now, allow me give this disclaimer. Are you keen? God is good. And all the time. The grace of God. It is so sweet. The grace of God. It is so sweet. The grace of God. 
it is so sweet. The grace, the grace, the grace of Listen to this. Going back to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1, where they are derived the clue of existence of a sanctuary which has been termed by Paul to be the first covenant sanctuary. They read again the first microscopically. They are trying to understand word by word. A disclaimer I wanted to give is that in the whole Bible, each and every word has a meaning. No word is there or no word can be placed at any point in the Bible grammatically wrong. And the Bible has no wrong tenses. It's correct from the beginning to the end. That's why the syllabus never changes. Now listen to this. Flow to Daniel, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1. It says, Then verily the first covenant had also. Now underline the word also. Mutu anakuambia, mutu akikuambia, I also have a car. Inamanisha nini? We have been talking about somebody who has a car. Na nasema, mm, I also have a car. Ama mtu anakuambia, ah, unachua mimi, <laughs> iyo car tu nimepata 29 out of 30. Ah, I also had 29. Do you get the point? So when Paul is talking about then verily, the first covenant had also it means that he had been talking of another sanctuary that is not the sanctuary of a first covenant. And when he comes to chapter 9, he talks about ten, the first covenant, leave alone what I've been talking about. The first had also reading the Bible microscopically. Now let's go top. Tuangalie kama kuna kitu Paulo alikuwa naongerea. Hebrews chapter 8. Turning back to the beginning of the previous chapter, they read, now of the things which we have spoken, this is the psalm. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not Moses, and not man, and not Israelites. A clue of a second sanctuary. So here they are finding another sanctuary which is a different one. A sanctuary which is pitched by Lord and not man. A sanctuary where Christ himself is the high priest. Oh. I can now connect. Moses aliambiwa, let them build me a sanctuary. Okay. And then, unakumbuka sauti kikuja komose sikasema, and according to the patterns that you were shown on the mountain, Moses alikuwa meonyeshwa kumbe this sanctuary. Ndiyakambiwa, as he builds the world sanctuary, the first covenant sanctuary, it must be according to the pattern of this sanctuary. Therefore, the first covenant sanctuary, ama the world sanctuary, was a shadow of this sanctuary. Oh, now I connect. Kumbe. So there is a second sanctuary here. And guess the location? Heaven. Guess 
it has as we have such an high priest, a true tapanako. Wow. Things were becoming sweet. Going to Revelation 8:14, and it says John is being shown, he's in a vision, and he's being shown heaven. And it reads, and the smoke of the incense. So there is even incense, an altar of incense in heaven with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angels. And so the seekers of truth realized something. Yes, there was a sanctuary, two types of sanctuary. The sanctuary of the first covenant, which is a worldly sanctuary, and the sanctuary which has existed from the beginning and will be there till the end and therefore qualifies to be the sanctuary of the new covenant, the sanctuary of all the covenants, and it's no longer a worldly sanctuary, but an heavenly sanctuary, a sanctuary which is built, is preached by God himself and not man. Ooh, wow. Now, guys, do you remember something? I'm almost there. It's becoming sweet. You remember what we spoke? Exodus chapter 25, verses 9, it's talking about the sanctuary which was being built by Moses, being a copy and a figure. So two types of sanctuary were sanctuaries were realized. The first covenant sanctuary, known as the worldly sanctuary. The new covenant sanctuary, known as the heavenly sanctuary. First covenant, preached by Moses, he preached by God himself, not man. First covenant sanctuary was on the world. That's the earthly sanctuary. The new covenant sanctuary is in heaven. The first covenant sanctuary had earthly priests who performed the service, and specifically from the lineage of Levi. You remember Akina Aaron? But the new covenant sanctuary, the Bible records that Jesus Christ is the high priest himself interceding for humanity and not a human, ama manly priest. And then the first covenant sanctuary was made after the pattern of the sanctuary in heaven. That is the original sanctuary, the true tabernacle. But the true tabernacle, now the new sanctuary, the new covenant, is the original sanctuary and not the atri. The atri one was a reflection of it. And then the first covenant sanctuary. Remember Moses was told sacrifices were of goats and lambs. But in the new covenant, Jesus himself is the sacrifice offered once and for all for the removal of the sin of the world. Very sweet. They realized two things. And then next, they realized something. While we were studying, we were told the Jews, the people of old, they were told something that upon you, seven weeks are determined upon your people. But from that time, we will transit from doing the things the worldly way so that we can transist, so that people will now no longer be Jews by birth or by lineage, but through faith, by faith. When they rejected the Messiah in 34 AD through the act of stoning Stephen, the probation was closed, and now it was open to the whole world. It shifted the working of Christ from when Christ died now, when Christ was offered as the last sacrifice in that one LD at Golgotha, he ceased the offering of all the other sacrifices of lambs and goats. From that period onwards, 
we transited from the first covenant sanctuary where sacrifices were of goats and lambs to the new covenant sanctuary, the new covenant sanctuary, the heavenly sanctuary where Christ was offered as the last sacrifice for the sins of all the world, for the sin of all the world. And therefore from that one AD onwards, Christ ascended to heaven to be the true high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. The period of application of the heavenly sanctuary automatically took off from 31 AD. So I have highlighted something there. From Numa Mbaka 31 AD, we were under the first covenant sanctuary. Goats and lambs could be offered. But after Christ was offered as the sacrifice, new covenant sanctuary peaked. Now, go back to our prophecy. Our prophetic period was dating 1844. When does that here lie? Is it before that one AD or after that one AD? Hello? Now this is a simple number line. God is good. You know, I want to finish so that you can go and eat supper. No, you people, you don't eat this at night. I'm trying to say the period when the 2,300 days was dated to be over was in which year? Motivate me. Kujibu to you. Now, the 2,300 days were to come to an end which year? Good students. Now, another question. Is 1844 greater than or equal to that one AD or less than? No, watch. I'm going to go to the next one. 1844. I'm going to go to the next one. I'm going to go to the next one. I'm going to simplify. Between 1844 which is the heavenly sanctuary. Therefore, the Bible said, unto 2,300 days, the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Which sanctuary was to be cleansed? The seekers of truth thought it is the worldly sanctuary, but it ceased to operate in that one AD. In 1844, it falls at the timing of the heavenly sanctuary, when it's in operation, when Christ himself is interceding for humanity. Therefore, brothers and sisters, unto 2,300 days, the sanctuary shall be cleansed. The sanctuary was not earth. This was not a portion of earth. It was the heavenly sanctuary, the true tabernacle. Because everything which Moses was shown was a figure of it. Since the world sanctuary, Moses was shown how it was being cleansed. Therefore, there was something 
of a cleansing type which used to happen in the heavenly sanctuary so that Moses can show a figure of it. And therefore, the sanctuary which is meant to be cleansed in 1844, according to Daniel 8.14, is the heavenly sanctuary. But now, pastor told us, in heaven, there is no sin. How then could there be sin associated with the heavenly sanctuary to prompt its cleansing? The heavenly sanctuary. How could there be sin in heaven to prompt its cleansing? Don't miss tomorrow. The cleansing of the sanctuary. And the story continues. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God take care of you. And please, come tomorrow with a roommate, with a classmate. Namungu our place. Galore.